This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking FP2 colon Beats of Rage. Funky Place 2? Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Hello! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies and more weekly. We dig into movies via a mostly spoiler-free review, the occasional commentary, or other fun movie topics. This is episode 404. 404. Error message received. It is an error message. Not connected to the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, we we must have short-circuited somewhere along the way, because... (laughs) As opposed to something new, which there's only so much of anyway, we've decided to go back in time and finally get into something that Abe and I have referenced often on this podcast. We are fans of The FP, the film directed by Jason and Brandon Trust from 2011, and mm-hmm. we recently realized that FP2 colon Beats of Rage is available for free on Amazon Prime right now. <laughs> That's correct, yeah. I remember I remember when the teaser trailer came out, and I was like, uh-huh. Aaron, this is... The teaser trailer, and he's trying to raise money for this. I think I actually contributed to the campaign. <laughs> well, good. Um, well, fortunately for us, we've now watched FP2, Beats of Rage, and <laughs> we're going to talk about that today. We're going to go into what we like about the FP, what we thought about FP2 called Beats of Rage, and some discussion over movies like this and why we like stuff like this. That's our plan for this week's episode. But I'm very excited because Abe and I, yes, we have talked a lot about We've referenced it a lot in the past. And we're finally giving the films their due on Out Now, Fair and Dave. What a day. And joining us to discuss FP2, Beats of Rage, we have with us producer and OG Out Now guest. He's discovering everything he needs to know about the Beat Beat Revelation. It's Jordan Grout. Hello. Good morning. How are you? How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you for inviting me on to talk about Beats of Rage. I'm ready to beat off. <laughs> he is not making a sexual reference. That's what they say in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have a dance off. They play Beat Beat Revelation. It just makes sense. I yeah. get it. But no, Jordan, good to have you back. How are you doing in the apocalypse right now? Watching a lot of the Bond movies. There you go. Yeah, listening to Out Now episodes, listening to Out Now commentaries, and hey, you, you guys are keeping me company. I mean, that's great to hear. And yes, Thank I you. Mean, that's, there, we have so many commentaries. I think anybody in quarantine could not only rewatch some of their favorite movies, but listen to our goofy voices while you do it. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's that's a, that's a lot that you can accomplish right there as far as passing the time goes. Speaking of commentaries, to get to some show notes, it is a new month. It is May, my lovely girlfriend's favorite month of the year. <laughs> Mine too. Um, I, I like May. Um, <laughs> we are going to record a new commentary track. It is for The Mummy. The Stephen Sommers 1999 Mummy, which is a terrific movie, very entertaining, but it was also the film that kicked off the summer back in 1999. We figured, well, we're not, we don't have one of those this year. There's no movie kicking off the summer movie season for us. Speaking of which, there's no sun. That means there's no summer movie gamble this year either, which is maybe the most disappointing thing about all of this. Um, it's on, it's on pause for a good reason, though. Exactly. Of course it is. Um, yeah. But yeah, so to kind of in honor of the fact that there's no summer movie, summer kickoff movie, we're going to talk about the Mummy. Um, so yeah, that's going to be recorded fairly recently and uh, come up uh, later this week. Um, oh, great. 
dude. It's so much fun. It is, for sure. Uh, what else? Uh, speak, speaking of other episodes, last week, in addition to our extraction review, uh, my lovely girlfriend and I, we recorded our top ten favorite movie memories. That is available on iTunes right now and everywhere you can find our show. It was a lot of fun to record. Uh, we had a great time going over some really fun and, and important memories. So, yeah. That's up there now, and where you can find that is on iTunes, as I mentioned, where you can also give us a rating and review. Uh, that'd be great. It'd help pump us up in the old iTunes charts. If you want to log on to iTunes, search for our show, give us a star rating, and um, maybe even write a sentence or two. That'd be great. Gracias! So, yeah, that's uh, I think that's it for show notes. Let's, uh, let's move on now. Let's get to, well, speaking of summer kickoffs, let's get to what we would have talked about this week. What was coming out this week originally before in the in the uh the before bloodshot era uh that would of course be black widow which was originally going to kick off the summer this year the latest mcu film which was a prequel <laughs> it's such a weird thing it's a prequel set between civil war and the the infinity war <laughs> avengers movie um so yeah that was a uh... That was what we were going to talk about, were things not to have changed. Jordan, were you excited for Black Widow? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously not as much as the other films, but it's, it's it's a film that I didn't really see the point of making. Like, if it's not continuing the story, like, I, I, I just honestly don't care about a story in between Civil War and Infinity War. But, of course, I love Marvel films, so I'm sure by the end of it I would have been raving about every moment. <laughs> Avery, were you excited for, Civil, or for Black Widow? For so forth. Yeah, I was excited for Black Widow, just probably on the same level as Jordan. I would have been curious to see how they handled it. Um, and also, you know, everyone had been asking for a Black Widow solo movie because all these, her male counterparts had gotten theirs. And I'm glad that she finally got it, but what sucks is just now it got pushed indefinitely as well. So, um, well, yeah. I, November, presumably. But, you know, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. But. It would have been great to see David Harbour. I'm pretty sure that that guy was just uh, he was on a roll David with everything. Harbour. Yeah. Extractions David Harbour, exactly. You know, oh, oh boy. One minute's worth of screen time, David Harbour. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree with you guys. I, I, I guess the best I can say is it's Marvel, so making this yeah. movie now, regardless of the timeline element, there presumably would have been something that kind of helped it matter as beyond just being a showcase for, you know, a fan favorite character. Uh, mm. I'd, I'd like to think that there is some effort being put into kind of tie it into a greater narrative. Um, but I mean, that remains to be seen. I, yeah, I mean, there, we'll see, we'll see what happens as far as when it comes out and what have you. And it will probably be entertaining because it's, yeah, like you guys said, it's a MCU film. They, they're at the very least good as far as what they're you know going for. And I, I did like that it was trying to, it seemed like it was trying to be like a fairly, you know, in the realm of these superheroes, grounded action movie, at least, you know, human based. So that's, that, that was something that kind of, you know, helped it separate itself from the pack compared to some of the other ones, more in the veins of like Captain America than Thor, as far as what it's going for. But yeah, we'll see. But yeah, Black Widow coming out later on. So we'll get there. Yeah, that's what we would have talked about. Let's move on. Let's, uh, let's get to, uh, let's get to talking about. DFP and FP2 colon Beats of Rage. For years, an underground war has raged for dominance over the small town of Fraser Park between two clans, the 248 from the north and the 245 from the south. Yo, clan, shout out! Buster LWE's looking double serious tonight. Shit's getting hot. 
Damn, Stoko! What are you for Halloween? Piss it up, y'all! We gon' break history tonight! The battle for the FP has only just begun. Alright, that should have been some of the trailer for VFP and FP2 Beats of Rage. Uh, we're gonna so we're gonna do a main review for FP2. So let's just kind of briefly sum up the basic premise of the first FP, um, and like kind of where that went. But the, the so the first film, which came out in 2011, it was it's set in a post-apocalyptic future, featuring two rival gangs fighting for control over Fraser Park, California, by playing Beat Beat Revelation. Beatro is the leader of the 248 gang. Who he dies in battle during a beat beat revolution revelation face off, uh, leaving his brother Jatro traumatized. Uh, a year later, Beatro's best friend KCDC find, finds Jatro working as a lumberjack. He convinces Jatro that the FP needs him because the person who defeated his brother LWE has. T- has, I, was waiting, I was like, you gotta say the name of the villain. <laughs> has taken control of the local alcohol industry and is refusing to sell alcohol drinks to everyone. This means that the lack of alcohol has led to an increase in meth addicts and a decrease in the homeless. Consequently, the ducks are no longer being fed in the park. And that's that very true. important because the ducks need to survive. Yes. Um, that's the premise for the first FP film, <laughs> which it becomes like a weird gangster rocky warriors riff with jatro training to get back in the game as bp for playing bb revelation and you know as a rocky movie goes he succeeds he beats lwe and the ducks get fed and all that like that's that's the base that's the basic premise of the first film there's definitely a shot where they show a lake yeah. Body of water with ducks coming back. So yeah. it, that's the entire point of the movie in the FP. And of course the free flowing alcohol. Of course, yeah. Um but yeah, so that's like the that's the <laughs> that's a basic look at what the FP is. So naturally there would be a sequel. Hey bro. Petro? Been a long time, dog. Look, J Tro. There's some serious shit coming, you heard? Yeah, I heard. You got to walk away from this one, dog. I've been walking away for ten years. Just hiding from what I really am. Pretending like all this piece of bullshit is what I actually want. What it is you want, dog? A purpose. Yeah, my ass had a purpose. And it killed me. FP2, colon, Beats of Rage. Here we go. Against all odds... Jason Tross was able to get the funding for a sequel to his hit film, The FP, thanks to some crowdfunding campaigns. The result is FP2 Beats of Rage. It dropped the the because it's cleaner. The film premiered at Fantastic Fest in 2018 is now currently available streaming on Amazon Prime. This time around, Jatro comes out of retirement to participate in the Beats of Rage tournament to bring, once again, alcohol back to the citizens of the FP. To win, Jatro will have to face the eccentric and deadly AK-47, Traveling with his magical hype man, KCDC, the former 248s will head to the wastes to take on AK-47 and save the world or something. <laughs> Jordan! Yes! <laughs> I had to... So, in looking for guests for this this episode, and when I say looking, I mean, when thinking of who could have seen the FP, my thought immediately went to you. What are your thoughts yes. on, you know, the FP and mainly the FP, to, like this follow-up to the FP? I I watched um 
the FP way back in the day. I've, I had only seen it once before this, uh, and it was in a, with a crowd, and it was tons of fun. And I remember walking out thinking, yeah, yeah, you know, it's enjoyable. It's not going to change the world, but, you know, I get what it's doing, and it's fun. And I rewatched it in preparation for this, um, and I liked it significantly less. Um, and I, I feel the same way about the sequel. And it's very creative. There's a lot of passion in it, um, but I feel like it's there's not enough to sustain even like the 90 minute uh, runtime. Uh, with both films, like sort of after like a 30 minute, 40 minute mark, I, I noticed myself just zoning out. I was like, okay, I, I've laughed, I've seen the jokes, I get it. Um, and it kind of just wore out its welcome for me. Uh, and I'd be interested to see beats of rage in, uh, in a crowded theater. I mean, if that, that's not going to happen, but I, I'd be curious to see like if I'd enjoy it uh, more with just that energy. Um, but as is, like, no, it it does make me laugh. There are very, very funny lines in uh, in the second one. Like, um, there there's one line where she says "good day" and he says "good day." I like that. <laughs> and it's, it's just stupid <laughs> lines like that. Um, and there are hidden gems, like even in the second half, where you know it it for me the film lost energy. Um, there are moments of of beauty uh like the um the training uh sequence yeah yeah and how it just keeps cutting back he's like you're not beating off hard enough and and things like like just every time they said beat off like it just made me chuckle i'm um so i'm i'm the level of of immature (laughs) that, that should enjoy this um and i do for the most part and you know i don't dislike it and i understand like why someone would want to see this multiple times. Like there is an appeal to it. Um, but for me, it's just, it, it, again, if it were 30 minutes, I would be over the moon about it. But at an hour and a half with both of them, I'm like, mm, okay. All right. Uh, this can end soon. We'll, we'll get, we'll get into that more as we kind of go along, but hey, yeah. Obviously, you and I have a fondness for the FP. Where did you think of FP2 Beats of Rage? Yeah, we definitely have a fondness for the FP. I think we, I don't, I don't even remember how we stumbled across it, but um, for the FP2, it's it's strange for me to say this because it's a movie in which they, uh, it's like it's like kind of like a, a fun movie you just throw on in the background kind of thing. But I kind of agree with Jordan. Like, I think that there's actually a lot of really good, funny stuff in the first 30, 40 some odd minutes. And the last half of the movie, it sort of gets me a little confused about what's going on and and the the character hero narrative. Um, But I did find myself losing a little bit of interest in the back end. And it sucks that I'm at home watching these things because um, I then pull out my phone and I'm just like, well, let me just see what Twitter says about the FP2 uh, Beats of Rage. But as we go along here... The thing that I really admire about this movie, and I said this in the first one too, is that everybody is taking this seriously, and they still continue to take this seriously. Like, the lines are ridiculous, the script is ridiculous, and they probably know this, but they're delivering it with real passion, and it it comes across on the screen, and that's what makes it 
wholly much more entertaining. I mean, there's even stupid references to things in like the 90s and whatever else because Jatro now owns a, sh- a nostalgia shop of broken things. <laughs> so he sells boppets and they're <laughs> not like, skippets. Not skippets. It's, it's, yeah. And uh, there, there's like some really funny stuff in the first half. I mean, there's one part where he's working late at night. He's visited by some uh, some spirit, uh, and yes. then he's got to call KCDC, so he picks up the phone, which is just like a soda can type phone, <laughs> and you just see it light up, and you see where KCDC is, and I was just like, this is hilariously stupid. Like, it's super, it's clever that they thought about this, and, and I just, you know, it, it's funny, and it's great, and there's good lines, and then all of a sudden, I just think is that it, it I don't know I, I don't think it drags I think it's actually just that they they had really good ideas for the first half of like this movie about where they wanted to take it and why they wanted to make it and then the execution slowly became well it just becomes like this tournament style Mortal Kombat annihilation um thing and uh, I, I think that it, it doesn't end up as strongly as it starts but still it's, it's, an, it's an, uh, it certainly is an enjoyable watch I mean I was laughing throughout as well so that's where it is for FP2 I'm going to speak fairly positively just because it's like it's easy to kind of throw the things that, you know, work less about it because it's a very specific kind of film. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it's designed to, you know, give you the kind of sense, make you understand the sense of humor as well as re- realize that, it, you know, it's a low budget, weird movie that like is very much designed for a cult audience, uh, which is not always successful. I think, you know, of films that are very much trying to be this kind of midnight movie experience I think this one succeeds as far as d- delivering on that without going too far with, you know, r- really, like, pleading to to be something that it isn't. I think it just kind of is that thing that it wants to be. And I think that comes from, like you guys are, like you guys have said, like a dedication to the the characters or, like, the, the tone that they're trying to achieve. It's not a winking movie. It's a movie where there's, you know, uber seriousness applied to it because that's... That, that helps the world work. And I do think mm. this movie is true to the spirit of the first movie. I, I'm kind of, I watch, so I've watched, I watched both, uh, not quite like with a few hours in between, not quite back to back. And I, there's not like too much of a separation for me as far as like how good one is over the other. I think both mm-hmm. have their own pros that make them separate. I think part of what works a lot about Beats of Rage is it, it's a good-looking movie for a movie that's crowdfunded uh, and, you know, has a lower budget by default, much like the first movie had a low budget. I do think, you know, in the seven years in between films, you know, cameras only get better and what have you. I do think it, it's a better-looking movie than the first one. I think there's – and there's more, like, little cinematic embellishments and what have you, which come from, mm-hmm. I think, what they're going for, where the first movie feels a lot like a – it has a lot of gangster influence, it seems, and a lot of, like, mm-hmm. the warriors seems like a big key point in that film. This one totally. seems – this one's going for, like, a almost a fantasy type thing, right, with the, mm-hmm. between, like, the magical maps and – the kind of mm-hmm. spiritual nature of it. Like there's more of a, f- a fantasy <laughs> epic involved. Yeah. Um, and I liked that mainly because I, I mean, it doesn't, while there's still like beat beat revelation and a sense of like, we have to do this competition to bring back the, like it's doing a similar plot, but it feels, it doesn't feel like just doing the same thing again for a second time. It does feel like it's trying to evolve <laughs> the FP as best as it can. Right. And right. also in that, you know, gap of time, 
watching the first one again, I was taken a bit aback because I forgot how much like gangster speak there is, especially because most of the characters are white and LWE is just like hard to hard to understand sometimes. Uh-huh. Let alone the various <laughs> racial epithets they're throwing around. So watching this one, it seems very clear that Jason Trust, who's the sole director on the second film and wrote it, he toned down that a lot. Like, it feels a lot more fair, <laughs> I guess, as far as, like, what they're trying to do. A lot more creative in how they're speaking to each other, how much, like, what what the kinds of profanity they're throwing out there, still being, like, this weird set of characters and, like, having this sense of, like, where they come from and all that, but without, like... Yeah you know, without really doubling down on the kind of language they're using. And I, I did appreciate that. I actually, I to be fair, that like it is the title of like a, it, it's the title of like a Tupac album or a Tupac song as well. I, yeah, I get that. But I mean, it's just like in, in the way they're talking to each other, there's a yeah. distinct difference in this second film that I appreciated. <laughs> so, and I mean, we'll get to more stuff, I guess, but like the last thing I'll say for now is that like the, the villain here, AK 47 I think that's a good performance. I really, I really like yeah, the villain in this movie. Yeah, I think I, he's I, wildly over the top. He's dressed such a, in such an insane way. He has these like pointed shoes that he uses in the beat beat revelation <laughs> games that are is like constantly entertaining to me. The well, way he's he, like, so good at them sometimes that he just floats. Uh huh. And then you know the tips of the shoes are yes. the ones dancing. Yeah. So I, that's like, when you know you're gonna die. So that's that's stuff I I I, I like that a lot. I like this villain a lot as far as like giving you some reason for this movie to kind of exist. I don't agree disagree. Like the first half does feel like I'm getting like an overload. Not an overload, but like a lot of the stuff I like about the first film, and then the second half's like well we're still going and i do right. wonder if like this would play a lot better with an audience as opposed to watching it by myself in my house during quarantine watching a post-apocalyptic film during our current apocalypse <laughs> but um <laughs> i i no i i yeah i i think not if we saw it with an audience i wonder how much different our reaction would have been perhaps yeah overall again i i think that there's a lot of credit to be distributed here i mean the trust family has they're all like cinematographers and gaffers and lighters. They work costume in Hollywood, designer. essentially. Yeah. Like his sister helped do, do the costumes on this movie. You saw her. Uh, I don't know who Samantha Trost is because at the end there, like little Jatro, like uh, it's either his daughter or his like niece or something like that. But what's hilarious is, uh, you know, <laughs> the continuity of this all is hilarious because even little Jatro has an eye patch. Uh, and there's even a line in the movie. He pokes fun at himself because when Atro like kicks his butt, He's like, hey, when you cry, does it just come out of one eye? And it's just like, oh, wow, they're really just going for it here. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I there's not there's there's I think we're all in agreement that there's a lot of effort going in here. It's just that the story as it progresses, maybe not as uh, as captivating, but I haven't given the FP a rewatch. So I didn't do my job like Jordan did and, um, and you did. <laughs> yeah. Where where you guys rewatched it just to see how. Uh, how it feels now in 2020. So mm -hmm. maybe if I watch it again, I'm just like, wow, what was I laughing at? But I still think it's probably going to be uh, pretty funny to in my yeah, estimation. Like, watching that first one, I do think there is there is something special. But for one thing, it's the first one. I mean, so you're like you're getting something that just feels unique because it's there's nothing like this. <laughs> it's it's the first time definitely nothing it. like it. Yeah, yeah. So watching a second one. It's like, yeah, you can't quite capture like that exact same spark, excuse me, spark again. But uh, yeah, there is. You, know. you bring up a good point when you said that 
he doesn't just try to do the same thing. Like he adds elements, like expanding the world, expanding like the uh, the characters, and mm-hmm. um, and it speaks to his his creative intelligence that he's you know what he does with the the resources that uh, he has. And yeah. uh, again, like there's there's a lot to admire with this film, and um, I, I look forward. To any to any future projects that that he's uh, a part of that he writes or directs. Same here. Um, and it's, I, I just feel like it's not a film to watch alone. And yeah. I guess that's that was my problem. Like again, like if if you were to say, hey, there's a midnight sold out show of FP two, I have an extra ticket, want to go? I would say yes because that would be a blast to see with uh, with an audience. Um, but with you know a cult film like this, and um, it's sort of like. And the film I'm about to mention, I'm not trying to compare them, but like The Room, how, you know, you wouldn't watch The Room by yourself, but a sold-out show, it's fun to see with an audience engaging with it. And uh, and of course, FP is a much uh, m- uh, better film. It's more <laughs> competent. And, well, yeah, and, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's made with competence. It's made of you know, people that know what they're right. how They know how to make a movie. Like The Room is a, right. the room's more right. like an experience yeah. than like that, that a cinematic same, effort. <laughs> yeah. So like... Yeah. Um, I mean, it shows it's, like it's looking. Really um, not... just, sorry, just to look at like Brandon Trost, who's you know he's not involved in this film directly, but like right. he's gone on from the FP to have quite a career. He's a cinematographer and he's been working on a lot of very specific films for like Neville Dean and Taylor with uh, the Crank, with the Second Crank and Ghost Rider, uh, mm-hmm. with with Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg on all all of their movies, uh, with Mario Heller on uh, on Diary of a Teenage Girl and Can You Ever Forgive Me? Like, and he's directing his first movie, an American Pickle, with Seth Rogen that comes out later this year. Like, he's he's got he's got like he's a guy that clearly knows what he's doing behind the camera. And Jason Trost, no slot, he, he directed this film on his own this time around. And like like right. I said, it looks like it, it's a good looking movie, especially for being. Yeah. One location made on a shoestring budget about people that played Beat Beat Revelation to save the world. Like, yeah, it, it works on that level, I think. Oh, yeah. And you can tell everyone's having such a good time. And their enjoyment is infectious. Like, you just, like, even the the back half of the movie, which for me loses steam, I still can't help but smile. Like, there, there's so much going on and everyone's having such a good time. And, yeah, like, there's there's too much to to laugh at to to just like say skip it um like i wrote down like just a few lines here like at the beginning when he says i don't do bitch shit and just things like that. <laughs> I, I laugh at that line too <laughs> it's so stupid and it's so self-aware how stupid it is and i like it, it's so great and um like for some reason the line two ninjas roll in when one ninja rolls out like that had me laughing for some reason for a good few minutes having, um, having just literally watched mad max beyond thunderdome the other day like it's like hearing this constant refrain that's very much going for that is just like kept me very smiling through yeah like it's so ridiculous yeah and and even just yeah and talking about it now yeah we're laughing we're smiling so yeah it does accomplish what it sets out to do also, great music. I really like the soundtrack in this movie. <laughs> I mean, the soundtrack or yeah. the score in both of them are, are really good. I, I, I kind of yeah. am partial to the first one a little bit more. Sure. But, yeah, I mean, I, there's just a lot to like about everything that they've done here. Jordan, you mentioned the training montage. I was not expecting, like, that level of training montage. It, it's like it, – like, the, the language in it is hilarious, but also the way that they shot it, it's oh, pretty it's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's, this it's is like exactly what, like, a, a training montage from, like, the 80s and 90s would look like. 
And Jason Truss is still pretty buff. I mean, it's it's exact. It, it's it's a great throwback montage to uh, those action movies um, from the early days. I'm, I'm sure he had a oh, vigorous yeah. routine for working out to get ready for Beats of Rage. I, I think that was necessary. Yeah. So I mean, everybody I mean, else and again, like, looks the same. His, again just speaks to his level of dedication to the project which you know it it's it's great it's it's so much fun yeah 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 if if, if i were having like some birthday party or or some party at my house like i would absolutely throw this on like it's a great like party movie and uh people just walk past it and watch it laugh and move on i know it's it's it has a great vibe for for a, a large crowd yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, hey, you know, this is like I, I'm watching this alone in my house right now and I'm laughing at like 1030 at night. And, you know, it'd be funny if my friends were here because they have the same sense of humor as I do. It's all very childish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they we would all laugh at this. And I was like, man, we should have a marathon of the FP and the FP, too. Um, like one of them is going to think that it's so stupid, but he's also kind of weird in, in his own ways but still it, it would be a movie that i think would play well with a group so as stupid as it is if people were to take it seriously they'll, they'll notice a lot of great subtleties about it i mean one of the jordan you mentioned the whole entire uh uh um i like that where jason truss is smoking and then he's like visited by some woman with glowing eyes her <laughs> entry line to that is see you later tro and then she leaves, and then he's like, see you later, True. I like that. And I'm like, that's not even his name. <laughs> so there's just hilarious things like that where uh, the other line I like during that exchange is, um, uh, I thought guys could only beat off. <laughs> and then she's like, times have changed now. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah, like every every time they, they made a – like, I, I, there was a line about beating off again. It just made me laugh. And there's, yeah, there's just so much creativity in the writing of of the script here. It's like, good job, Jason. You know what I mean? Like it, it's I, there's a lot of kudos to be thrown at at that at that uh, the invention of all this. I will say, uh, this movie could have used more, and maybe it's just a scheduling thing, or I don't know. But this movie could have used more Casey DC, um, Art Art Sue. Yeah, who, who I I know him best from like Crank High Voltage. He's in the second, which is where they mm-hmm. met. Where is they met? Because that's the trust for they they worked on the on Crank High Voltage. But uh, yeah. he's very funny yeah. as KCDC, and yeah. I it feels like the movie like it kind of shuts him out for a bit because of things that happen in the plot of the film. And I'm thinking <laughs> you need more KCDC. He's great. He's like oh he's always fun. It's so I, I kind of miss the fact that there's not enough of him. Um, as there could have been. He's still like, no, he does the job. There's still a lot he's of He's still, yeah, around, he still but... commits for sure as well. I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. There's a, port- there's a portion in the movie where you have to, they have to diverge. You know, it's the hero's journey again, where it's the, the fall part. Um, it's actually, as I mentioned, it is, there's a, there's a similarity to Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> there's a point where, cause like the first <laughs> half of the movie is devoted to like getting into this certain place and having a, an epic battle then the like midway through it takes a divergence and you're away from things for a while before you get back to the end when it's all action-packed again so it's kind of I, I feel like it's i'm not too far off in saying that there's probably a lot of beyond thunderdome inspiration going on in this film but yeah you do kind of take away mainly so you can meet nitro the the father of J. Tro and Nitro. <laughs> <laughs> that scene is uh, it's pretty great later when he's explaining the the family evolution. But what's 
I, I think the scene that, that the part that just makes you laugh out loud is is how he gets like a new pair of boots. <laughs> and I was like, is this what I think it is? Where he's just gold plated this this thing and you have to watch the movie to understand it. But it's it's pretty hilarious. But again, even that that actor, um, Brew Mueller, mm-hmm. that guy's committing. Yeah. And it, it's mm-hmm. fantastic to see because. We talked about this. All of us are in agreement where you've seen these B movies where people are they're, they're definitely like first time actors and they just read lines without any passion or whatever else. And you're like, this doesn't work. You know, everybody else is working. But you see this in some of the, the Friday the 13th movies. And if some of these people were just a little bit more just, you know, giving it their all, it, it would probably be a, a strangely effective movie for uh for it but the trust brothers and jason trust in particular good job in getting everybody out of your or getting everything out of your um actors here because there's a scene where there's a montage of others uh, all these other people that that have to do a dance uh a dance uh challenge Mm -hmm. they all have like one line or something like that they're all delivering it very very well the i mean if one thing the movie does do quite well is the fact that it has a lot more beat beat revelation in it like there's, there's a they really good at town on giving you as much beat beat revelation action as you can get in a movie like this where you're seeing constant dancing as well as the addition of people that lose go down and get like electrocuted and like have their sh- their soul sucked out of them shang sung style i guess right. like what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> i i love that callback because it's not that they just took the visuals of it they took the whole entire dream sequence of Robin Shu's brother, where he's like, yeah. he, he shouts out yeah. his name as his soul is being, he's like, Lou! And so they do it twice in the movie with two different names. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's very funny. Yeah. Um, I will say that there were apparently, you know, in the conception of making sequels of the film, there were two sequels originally planned, with the first being set in Hong Kong. Uh-huh. Um, I I wish I I wonder what this would have been like if we changed locations, but I mean at the same time, part of the appeal of this is the fact that it's all set in the FP. <laughs> so I, um, and you they get I mean Tross gets a lot of mileage out of using this very specific part of California <laughs> to make these movies work. Do you uh, guys know mm-hmm. if they are from the FP or like lived near or grew up near the FP? Like what what is the genesis of that? Um, I know they're California born. Uh, yeah, yeah. At least are somewhere around LA. Uh, I I believe they yeah I believe they lived in the they had they have to at least lived in the FP for sure. Got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just a very specific region. You know what I mean? So unless you drove by and you're like, hey, this is a weird place, like you would never know this unless you knew somebody from there or you were from kind of locally around there. But in any case, I mean, yeah. part of it, like, I remember this, like, part of the fact that it's, you know, DFP and it's called DFP was, and kind of some of the attitude was to mock the OC. I think that, that was a big <laughs> part of the reason that led to, like, because the FP was, it was first a short film before they made it into a full length feature. That was a, that was a, an aspect of it as far as the kind of seriousness and the going by the fp which i i very much doubt many residents of fraser park actually like say very often but uh we never know <laughs> yeah i could be completely wrong maybe you know yeah. in order to feed the ducks they they rely on things yeah the, FP. the ducks also play another part in this role as well or yes. in this movie as well there's yes, a scene do. of them on fire mm-hmm. 
See, that's the thing. That monologue that KCDC gives in the first FP about bringing back the Ducks, or like why the why that's a problem, that never quite gets matched in FP two Beats of Rage. And I think that that ultimately is why the first one might be better. I think yes, that's like I that's, the, that's the that's the funniest thing that happens in either of these movies. <laughs> Just that whole explanation. <laughs> well, that's right. But yeah, no, there there definitely is an appeal to to something like this. It's not only just um, like a shallow parody of those films. Like it, it it is something that's done with intelligence and with care. And yeah, there there is that fun of recognizing what it's trying to parody, um, but also enjoying it as like a well made film, sure. uh, opposed to like those date night type movies where those are just a hollow um, parody of of various films. Like this, really does like it tells a story. It has good acting, uh, and again, it's all about that creative intelligence that's brought in. Um, like like Airplane, how that's a parody and it's it's poking fun, but again, there's it's very well made. Like there's intelligence behind it. There's real talent involved. I, I don't disagree, and I look. Yeah. I look forward to what Jason Trost can do in the future as far as, you know, putting out you know, something that takes this, you know, kind of level of energy and creativity into it to other, you know, ideas or whatever. Because I do think there's, regardless of how much our sense of humor is attuned to something like this, I do think there's talent right. behind the, all of this. So 100%. Oh, yeah. yeah. And again, We're, like, mm-hmm. I, I think the only thing that I would say is, um, you know, it's strange for me to say this, but yeah, the expansion of the world, of course, I would love to see more FPs, you know, just it seems like a passion project of his. And it seems like he's he's still just curious or he, he loves Dance Dance Revolution. So we'll see how it goes. But still, um, I do hope that that huge projects come down his way because, yeah, this family is super talented. Yeah, if FP3 beats a fury comes out, I'm there right away. Like that's the, I'm happy for that. Is that an actual working title? Oh, yeah. No, but that's the best I can uh, think uh, of in two seconds. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, all right, I think, yeah, I think we've talked about this pretty sufficiently. Yeah, I, I think it'd be simple to say if you're making a sequel to the FP, this is probably the best you can do with making a sequel to the FP. Which I, I would think agree. Is like, yeah. I, I mean, because it, it, it could have been. A lot worse, and at this, and oh, instead, absolutely. instead we're sitting here thinking, you know, there's things about it that are not as great, but there's also a lot of stuff to just admire. So, right. with all mm-hmm. that in mind, uh, when should people stream FP2 Beats of Rage? Jordan, should people stream it? Should they not stream it, or should it just like sit in the queue? Oh, they should absolutely stream it. It's it's worth watching. Like you know if you're going to like it or not. So <laughs> like by right. watching the trailer, or you know even if you've seen the first one, you know whether or not you're the audience for this movie so you know if if you watch the trailer and it's not for you and you still watch the movie <laughs> then that's that's on you yeah um, so yeah oh yeah so if if you like this genre this sort of filmmaking absolutely watch it if hey. yeah jordan said very very well so i'm just gonna echo what he said yeah there's not much disparity it, it, it seems for a movie like this it's so specific it's like yeah if you're into that first one or you see footage and you're like i'm intrigued by this chances are you'll at least find some appreciation on the other hand if you're not into it then i don't know what to tell you there's nothing you can't there's no reason to really kind of go for it thinking it's gonna get somehow better than what you've seen already (laughs) (laughs) all right well with all that discussion of fp2 beats of rage let's get some out now feedback 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 
So we're going over some of the various questions and answers on our Facebook page. We asked a number of questions, and they gave, and our listeners gave us answers. And uh, that's what we got. So let me just go through those, some of these briefly here. Uh, first up, favorite films featuring dance battles. Chris writes, <laughs> for me, it has to be the FP, but I haven't seen Beats of Rage yet. I look forward to what that response is going to be. Um, Chris writes, stomp the yard, take the lead, dance with me, and step up. Mm-hmm. And Luke Thompson, front of the show, has Guardians of the Galaxy, no question, even if it's completely one-sided. <laughs> dance off, bro. Mm-hmm. All right, next question. We, or, uh, sorry, guys. Do you, have, do you have any favorite movies featuring dance battles? Yeah, sure. Zoolander. Uh, Nick Frost, where he's trying to learn to dance. Um, I forgot what it's called. Nah, never mind, you guys. Don't Nick know. Frost? Nick Frost, where he's trying to learn how to dance? Hmm. Yeah. I, I could have sworn. Do you uh, not know? Well, continue. I'm going to IMDb it. Okay. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm like, what movie has Nick Frost trying to dance or dance or dance battles? <laughs> uh, my answer is West Side Story, obviously. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Dance battle throughout that movie. When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's crazy and cool. Go. Um, and I mean, not quite movies, but the the library of Michael Jackson music videos. There's you know like Bad or Beat It. It's got some, you know, some yeah, dance battles. Yeah, or uh, sure. whatchamacallit, um, Smooth Criminal. Smooth, yeah, Smooth Criminal. Yeah, these super long operatic music videos from, like, the 90s. Hell, there is a movie. M- Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. There you go. <laughs> There's a video game based on it, too. There is a video. Yeah, I had that. It's kind of hard. Video game. <laughs> it is kind of hard. Um, okay, I've, I've found... Yeah? The... Yes. Uh, it's, a. Uh... Cuban Fury, and it has oh. Nick Frost. Uh, yeah, okay. And it has uh, Chris O'Dowd, but he's learning to dance, right? I yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I saw pieces of it, and 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 it was uh, good of, of from what I saw. I don't think I ever saw that movie. I remember I remember that movie. I don't think I ever saw that movie, but yeah, that's right. It has yeah, they're they're like learning to dance and all that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, good. Now we do. Now we got that one solved. <laughs> Next question we have here: favorite cult films. Chris writes Betty Blue or Delicatessen. Mm. Jeff has Rubber and the FP. Uh, oh, and Chris adds, I forgot about Rubber. Also, Holy Motors. And then Farron adds, Yes, Holy Motors. Although well, I associate cult with terrible, and that's why I love it. In which case, The Room or Cannibal the Musical. Hmm. I feel we're like gonna we're going to get into this, we're gonna next, get into this next, so yeah, yeah, we don't need to go over it quite now. So I'll get to our next question here. Favorite low-budget dystopian or apocalyptic films? we got two, only got two answers here. Uh, Chris writes, probably Mad Max, Cheapest Chips, and friggin' Awesome. Yeah, that makes Chris exceptionally British. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> Todd writes, Hell Comes to Frogtown. Oh, yeah, yeah. Any favorite low-budget dystopian apocalyptic films? Have you ever seen uh, Dead End Drive-In? No. Mm-mm. It's 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 okay. It um it, it has the same vibe as as the FP, mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh, an Australian film from the eighties. Uh, mm, okay. I'll throw out uh, Monsters, uh, the first one from Gareth Edwards, who went on to do Godzilla oh. and Rogue One, because it's entirely low budget, and he did all the visual effects on his laptop, and they look fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> 
various zombie movies is what Night of the Living Dead is, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, the Mad Max films are an easy call as well. This the the first one in Road Warrior, especially specifically. specifically. Mm-hmm. Oh, in Doomsday. I'm I'm a big fan of Doomsday. Doomsday. I think that. Yeah. The Neil the Neil Marshall movie. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta see that again someday. Like I saw it once, and I just I don't think I was ready for the because it's like it's Escape from New York first, then it's Lord of oh. the Rings, and then it's yeah. Road Warrior. And I, yeah. I don't think I was ready for all three of these things Those in one. Sound movie. like all good movies to roll up. They they are, yeah. and it's a very specific tone. And I do like oh, that, yeah. like the I'm main villain. The, the main villain has one of my favorite entrances that I can remember, even though I like I'm okay on the movie because he like comes out dancing to find young cannibals, and I'm like that's hilarious. Like I really <laughs> like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I should watch Doomsday at some point. Yeah, it's, it's got good. a lot of good stuff in it. For, like I do like it's been to that middle chunk that I'm like, eh. <laughs> like the the Escape from New York stuff. I was like, yeah, and the Road Warrior stuff. I was like, this is crazy. Um, yeah, when they get to um, Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not it's not that 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 long though. No, it is. It probably it's probably more in my mind than what's in the actual right. movie. Yeah, but it does it it does sort of drop a stone in the middle of the the film, the momentum. All right, well that's enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's uh let's get to our next uh, topic here, where we're gonna talk about you know cult films, especially like odd ones, like what we just talked about for the past half hour, <laughs> and um what it is that we like about this kind of yeah. thing. What what what's the appeal here? Abe, I want to start with you. What what is it about sure. the FP that was like I'm into this? Well, the, the thing about the FP specifically, um, as opposed to the general topic of, of cult films, I think the thing about the FP specifically was, wow, there's a guy who decided to make a movie about Dance Dance Revolution in the post-apocalyptic uh, apocalyptic future. So it, the the two-sentence premise draws me in. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I like the trailer. Let me go and check out this whole entire movie. And like we would all discuss just recently – um, the commitment to it, but also just the creativity behind some of these uh, lines, it just makes it a really enjoyable watch. Like it doesn't, it, all of a sudden everything melts away. Like all the things that, all the seams that you really care about in like, let's say like a prestige movie per se, mm-hmm. they all pretty much melt away. Like I don't give a shit about like the production design and whatever else. Like it's, it's all just like, cool. It's on a shoestring budget for some weird reason. It's like, Oh cool. I can make a movie then. Like, I'm not saying that movies are easy, but I'm just like, Whatever ridiculous idea I had, that's probably not ridiculous. It's probably like a market for it, and you know, it just makes me feel like um, like not everybody is trying to make a movie for an Academy Award. They're just really making these passion projects. So that's what mm. some, of the, some of the appeal of the FP is for me. Well, what about in general when it comes to these kinds of movies? When it comes to these movies in general, what what makes them fun and appealing um, is just their I'm going to come back to this all the time, but like the commitment level of some of these actors um, in these movies is what makes it great. I mean, we'll go into like a a few of our, of our favorites coming up here, but when you talk about some of these movies and how quote unquote bad they are, they're only bad because they didn't get a huge movie, uh, movie production studio to back them with like, you know, $10 million, whatever the case is. Um, Or even like a Blumhouse thing where it's like, Hey, we'll, we'll supply you with all the equipment. You just come with like the story and make it less than you know five million dollars. Um, the level of creativity for some of them again is just 
what a what a concept, you know, or even if it's like a movie in which um, wasn't good the first time and then you watch it again, you're like, you know, I do appreciate what they're doing here. Like the story is not all what you what you come for. It's actually just more of like the performance. Um, and again, we mentioned the room. If uh, wh- I forget his name now, I was going to say like, Tommy if, Wiseau. Yeah. To- if Tommy Wiseau was not giving it his all. Or you, his perception of what is is his all. It's a different movie altogether. Like it's a different feel altogether because it's definitely a throwaway. Because I, I think remember Jordan, you you were trying to show us the 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 room uh, when we came over to your house for like an Oscars party or something like that. But yeah, overall, it's it's like the fun performance of these movies, or I'm sorry, of these actors as characters in the movie that they're in. And if it goes over the top, it goes over the top. I mean, it's. It's just the the thing that really highlights it because nobody's really gonna ever really see all the pizzazz of of direction or uh, cinematography or score or whatever the case is. Like uniquely, um, everyone I'm sorry, not uniquely, but universally, everybody sees the performance. And so once you start buying into that, um, then you can buy into the other parts of it. But that's what makes these cult movies fun. You know, Rocky Horror is a movie that people have seen all the time, and above it being like a good movie. Um, or like an interestingly fun movie about transvestites it's really just like great tim curry is fucking killing it you know what i mean so um yeah it's just i think performance is what makes these cult movies fun like as bad as the movie is you can always go back to like man that kid in trolls too when he says oh my god at the end there it's so terrible but he's trying his best and that's what makes it funny and sad at the same time jordan where are you at with this where where, where's the appeal for you when it comes to these oddball off the wall movies. Yeah. Abe, Abe uh, mentioned part of like using what little resources you have to, to make these films. And yeah, it's not easy at all to, to make a film. And the fact that, you know, this team came together, they didn't have a lot, but they managed to, to make this singular vision um, and they really made what they wanted to make. Um, uh, I, I find incredibly uh, admirable. Uh, and, and, and even if it's a film that that I don't think succeeds, like there's a one from the 90s called uh, Six String Samurai. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and, it's, and that has, uh, and, and FP reminds me of that in, in a few ways. And that's actually not a film that I enjoy. But I really enjoy, I really appreciate the work that went into it. And you watch it and you really see the love that goes into it. Uh, and that's a huge part of it for me. Um, it's just, yeah, looking at the, you know, the, these, pe- these people worked hours upon hours um, every day to, to make this. And, um, and of course, like the FP, I feel... Uh, is a successful um, uh, version of this cult film. Uh, and of course, it's the humor that comes into it. Like these films are strange and there's that bizarreness that you you don't get from from a mainstream film. Like you, e- even um, uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg's comedies, which can be weird at times, like they're never as weird and as kooky as, as these films are. And that's right. part of the fun is that you just don't see this a, a whole lot. Um, and, and again, like 
the acting, even something like Trolls 2, where like the acting isn't great, uh, it's still fun to watch the uh, the actors. And uh, yeah, you laugh at like him like saying, uh, "What's what's the line from Troll 2 that that you mentioned?" Like, "Oh I, my god, okay, they're yeah, eating yeah. them." Yeah, yeah. So and there, there's there's a charm to to that. To, to that sort of performance uh, and the performances in these films. Um, and again, like you're, you're jogging my memory of things about trolls too right now. And the main thing I just realized is that there's a scene where the boy to stop his parents and family from eating the food that will turn them into troll monsters. He gets up on the table and pees on all the foods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The popcorn scene. Like it's just so, so bizarre. Like right. again, in a way you don't see um and it's infectious like you just can't help and that's why these films work so well with uh a large audience because uh, you 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 enjoy it together and um and i feel like these audiences like you're not laughing at the movie like you're laughing with the movie and it's, that's a it's great point it's a very loving uh fan base that these films have mm-hmm. yeah i mean you guys are narrowing it down certainly for a very specific type of film because I don't want to go too far into like cult films in general because we can talk right. all day about the different things about there because there are movies that are, you know, just well made great movies that didn't connect at the time but found an yeah. audience later on. There's misunderstood classics or whatever you want to call it or other kinds of things. But I think specifically to the kind of weird low budget movies that don't require you know like huge talent or major directorial forces at a certain stage in the career it's more about people that are making movies for the first time or that have just like gotten together and made something on a shoestring budget because why not and so you get mm-hmm. a lot of things that oftentimes are probably terrible and probably unwatchable and probably un you know available to watch to begin with but sometimes you get things that kind of squeak out of there and work for whatever reason, whether it's because an audience just found it one midnight and decided to make that into some kind of event, like, I don't know, Miami Connection, or, right. you know, it hit the right film festival in the right way and got a distributor, like any number of things like that, like the FP did. So it's, there's, or just, you know, yeah, like develop from a short film and turn it into some kind of feature based off, you know, the little limited budgets they're able to get to, to make something like this. Mm-hmm. And so you, you get a number of things that, work for their own way and it's sometimes indescribable as like as far as how it does it but it just kind of hits a certain you know part in people's minds that that appeals that find that has some kind of like i am into this i don't know why i'm into this or i'm laughing at this and i'm not sure exactly why but i want to keep watching this thing and Mm. the filmmakers involved in that generally you're never phoning it in. You're never like not putting in a passion towards something like this, regardless of how skilled you are at doing that thing. You just kind of set out to accomplish a certain kind of goal, whether you are yeah. formally trained or not. And on occasion, it works. It becomes this kind of like thing everyone wants to watch and talk about and quote. And you, you know, if stud- if like major studios knew how to replicate that, you you'd have a lot of interesting films on hand. Uh, yeah. if, there was, if there was a way to naturally come up with something like that on a regular basis, as opposed to trying to manufacture that, things would be different. You can't do oh, that, obviously. Sure. There's, light, there's a lightning in a bottle aspect to any number of films that we've mentioned that we will mention as right. far as this kind of feeling that you get out of these movies. But, you know, the world of cinema 
<laughs> is better for having that level of variety than not. Regardless of how much somebody likes one of these kinds of movies over the other, there is something to be said for the fact that they exist and come out on a fairly regular basis as far as discovering new, weird, quirky gems that sit beneath all kinds of surfaces before you actually find them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So in saying that, I wanted us all to kind of not you know delve too far into why we thought about these films, but just kind of list out a few films that kind of fit in the same realm as something like the FP. Uh, maybe we can just kind of go around in a, in a circle and just kind of kind of go through some of these that we've come up with here. But uh, Abe, you want to you want to start this off? Yeah, I mean, I only have like a few of them, but one of the first movies that comes to mind whenever I think about these like strange offbeat humor, but still pretty um, interesting in terms of story and in terms of acting. I always think of Tales from the Hood. Um, ah, and cool. this is like an anthology horror movie, mostly about uh, in black neighborhoods and black actors. But I remember watching it and I was always afraid of it because it was in the horror section of the, of the blockbuster or the Hollywood video. And I remember we watched it one summer and I just laughed my ass off because there's just so many funny things about it but like they're funny things about it in terms of like the script but also in terms of what you're seeing on the screen and um when you watch it you'll just be like this is so stupid but it's like but it's so stupid on the level of like hey it's actually kind of fun the sequel not so much i stopped i stopped the sequel like within the first scary uh quote-unquote scary anthology and i was just like yeah it doesn't really match the same sort of tone because it doesn't look the same and it doesn't feel the same as the the first tales from the hood yeah, the first one I love. I think it's great. And you're yeah. right, the second one is unbearable. Yes, yeah. That, that Aaron, you just mentioned like how studios were like, well, let's if we could capture this magic, then let's make these types of movies. That's kind of what the second one feels like. It's like it feels like you guys just made something that wasn't somebody's like ideas or passion projects. It was just like let's capitalize on this old title that we have so, sight unseen. I, I, I can't say that entirely because I knew it's the same director. It's the same people involved. If anything, mm-hmm. it's just because of the lack of things are different now than when they were in like 95, when the first sure, one sure. came out. And it's, I think it's just a different means of how to get something made. And just like what that feel is movies now that come out, especially in like the kind of direct to video zone have a different, mm-hmm. they have a different feel than what they did right. back then. And that first one that first one was more of a studio movie than the second one was. But yeah. I, mean, I, I haven't yeah. seen them yet, so I, I haven't yeah. seen the new, so I can't speak to it entirely. But right. I I will say that, like, I know that there's a level of... the Because the director... His name uh, is uh, uh, Rusty Cundiff. Yeah, Rusty, yes. thank you. Rusty Cundiff. Um, I knew. Um, he was on that um, that Shudder black, uh, black horror documentary that I really liked from last year. Oh, he, was, he was talking about, he was talking about both of them. And it's like, I, I like, regardless of how good they are, I know the effort is there on his end. Like he's not, yeah. he, he didn't come in being oh, yeah. like, you know, let me just cash in on this cult property from 95, hoping that, from okay, 95 like, that I made. Yeah. Yeah. If it's, if it's, you know, if it's bad, it's bad. I get that. But I, I, I do know that like the effort was there. Like, to, sure. To try yeah. or something. Uh, Jordan, what's uh, another one? Uh, I had, um, I wrote down just five films that just came to the top of my head. Sure. So the first one, uh, Night Killer, and it's the um, the same director as Troll 2. And hmm. it's a uh, murder slasher uh, mystery. And, and it is, I, I saw it for the first time last year at the Egyptian Theater. Uh, and it is batshit crazy in such great ways. It's so funny and it's, 
you 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 just are still wrapping your head around it days after you see it. Uh, it's tons of fun. Uh, the second one, um, uh, cult film Bronson. Uh, love that. The uh, the Tom Hardy Bronson. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Rules. That's that's it's an amazing performance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, uh, director just passed away. Uh, House. Uh, um, oh, House. Yeah, House. Yeah. 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 Uh, I thought of Zardoz. Zardoz. <laughs> uh, and the last one I just quickly wrote down was uh, Fantastic Planet. So, yeah. um, all, all films that. Well, I guess except for Bronson, like that's a film I feel like you can watch alone and still really enjoy it. But the rest of them, they're really very much audience type films. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, let's see. I got a few here. Are we going to list all of them or just go one by one? I mean, Jordan's oh, listed all of his. Okay. Let me, let me just list the other ones too that I have. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, yeah. So this one isn't like a, an ultra micro budget but when you watch it, you'll realize that it's not a very good movie. It's it's actually 2015's Point Break. Um, <laughs> and this is a movie in which you watch it with like a group. You'd be like, this is great. Um, and then uh, I also really liked 2017's Power Rangers, which is – I don't know if you can classify it as like a cult movie or like – but it got panned <laughs> by critics Um and it's better than it needs to be, to be honest. Um, it's like a, like there's some suffering of some characters later on the line where it's like a little bit too too easy for them to come back. But it's actually a pretty good movie for what they were uh, for, I guess, what it was. Um, and then obviously uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies, like two and three are not very good. They're kind of in camp. Three is probably the worst of it. But I still enjoy these movies, like not from a nostalgia factor, probably just because they're just like. There's ninja fighting in it. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. I'll say the Power Rangers. It was mixed as far as it, like it didn't. It wasn't yeah. like a nine percent. It got like fifty percent runs to me. Like it did its. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did its job as far as what you'd expect from a Power Rangers movie. I'd say it did right. better than you'd expect from a Power Rangers movie. It did better. Than, yeah, I mean, it's still got. It, I don't think we're ever gonna see the sequel, but sure, if you want to mix in like 1993's Power Rangers, it's fine. <laughs> or or 1995's Power Rangers, that's fine too, because. There's a lot of Ivan news that goes nowhere. <laughs> I uh, and I I rec that part of why I have this is because I know Jordan is he's big on weird movies. <laughs> I know like, he's, gonna, he's gonna have some contributions here. Um, some ones, yeah, like how yeah, House came to mind immediately because mm-hmm. the movie's batshit crazy. Uh, Rubber, which was mentioned in our feedback, Rubber is a wild movie as far as a killer tire becomes sentient and. Uh, <laughs> I said that wrong. That's it. That implies that it was already a killer tire, and then it became sentient. A sentient tire becomes a serial killer, uh, and goes after people and uses, and blows up their minds. It's a and it's like a. It's also like a critique on audiences. Like there's a fourth wall breaking aspect going on throughout the film. It's a weird movie, um, and that same director has another movie with um, Academy Award winner, what's his name from the artist. Um, uh, uh... John, um, yeah. <laughs> why am I blanking on that one now? I can th- I can say Michael uh, Hassan Vicious. Jean Dujardin. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. got another movie of him coming out. Uh, Deerskin that I really want to see. Um, yeah. Rubber. So did you see, uh, keep an eye out? The same director. No, I have not seen Keep an Eye Out. It, that's worth watching too. It's it has the same level of 
of oddities. I'll keep an eye out for it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Repo Man, um, which is just a classic cult movie Repo. to begin with. Um, it's hard to say Evil, the first Evil Dead, because that's a very specific kind of movie they're going for. But Evil Dead 2 really runs the gamut on being this kind of oddball, crazy, Three Stooges horror type movie that I, you know, it's one of my favorite movies. Um, Holy Motors, which I believe came up in feedback as yeah. well. Uh, that movie's all over the place. And, I mean, a little bigger budget, but, like, Beetlejuice comes to mind. Like, think about yeah. Beetlejuice and how that's, like, a major studio movie with real actors in it, and it, like, exists. It's like they, right. like, they gave Tim Burton money to be like, what are you making? A movie about what? It's this guy. He's a ghost. There's people, the main characters die in the first five minutes. There are big worms in it for some reason. There's people that love art that move in their house and they have to get out of the house. And, and they're like, like well, this sounds great. Let's find all these awesome actors <laughs> in your movie. It's like, imagine like, what, pitching, a, what a great like, cast. How do you pitch Beetlejuice today and be like, yeah, we can give that a bunch of money. Like, what is like, what is that like process? And then how oh, do you market would... that? Like, that's why like movies are not the same today because there's no there's no way that Beetlejuice exists. Like, that's that's how you can tell right there. Like, what what is this? What is this thing? What how do you say this to people? <laughs> be like, yeah. Who and rewritten and of given course. studio notes till, and that, till, till it's death. And that's why I'm so frustrated every time Beetlejuice 2 comes up in a conversation, both from stupid press people that ask the questions during junket interviews, like, hey, any progress on Beetlejuice? No, there's no progress on Beetlejuice. There's no, that's not happening. And even yeah. if it did happen, it's not going to be anything you like. It's going to be something weird. It's like, how do you do this again? You can't make another one like it's Beetlejuice. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's my Beetlejuice rant, and that, those are the movies. <laughs> and I mean, honestly, A, you, both, you and I both like this movie, and it's it, when you look at it, it's very weird. Brick. I mean, Brick is a weird movie. Like, it's a weird, low-budget movie. I never thought of it movie. that way, but you're right. Yeah. It's a movie about kids that speak in noir dialogue. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, again, like, there, there's a lot of great stuff about that movie overall, um, it yeah. being a noir movie set in high school. But there's there there are funny scenes, and there are, like, serious things about it, but... But yeah, no, there there's like a lot of really cool stuff about that. You guys have named some really interesting movies. Um, some of them are much more acclaimed than others as well. One of the movies that I was thinking about, it kind of exceeded the budget per se. Uh -huh. Although I guess maybe even my my pick of um, Johnny Utah's remake also exceeded the budget. Uh -huh. But I thought of um, Transformers: The Last Night as well. <laughs> um, and what I mean by that is, if people are like, "Well, that's a Transformers movie," have you seen it? It's Transformers that have been around since the King Arthur days that helped the entire world get on the right order. So and Anthony Hopkins is like really eating it up. You know what I mean? And so I, I don't know if that really would meet the criteria, but it certainly is like a strange movie that people are going all out for. So if you're I mean, trying to like ex if you're trying to explain everything that goes on in Transformers the last night, then yes, there's a lot of like oddball weird stuff that goes along in a movie about transforming robots that's already like that's enough right and you're like no what if they're in king arthur times and it's like what <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but like all they're too long and it's that oh, last night for sure is like 20 hours long yeah it, it is very very long like in an unapproachable way where it's like i can't rewatch this movie because it's like three hours long. Yeah. 
<laughs> any <laughs> anything else when it comes to this kind of like oddball stuff? Uh, go see I mean, them. I, we can go on all day yeah. with, uh, with these films. For sure. I mean, there's a way to, uh, as far as you know, the kinds of things we can talk about. But yeah, just trying to throw it out there. I mean, to bring it all back to the FP. I mean, it does everything we've talked about. I think in terms of describing these films fits that. It's like why the FP like matches in that area, right? It's 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 a it's a weird premise it's very low budget it takes you know a lot of not high you know not high up there actors and filmmakers it takes people that are kind of down in the gutter uh trying to you know do what they can to make something that works and uh, it joins in that kind of realm of odd movies that stick out and people like watching mm-hmm. yeah totally like transport Takes those uh, down into like actors like Mark Wahlberg and Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> those guys need some work. <laughs> well, <laughs> with all that, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode about Now at Their Name. You can find more of my work at personalblog.thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there, as well as my movie reviews over at We Live Entertainment. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? Find more fun stuff over my uh, Instagram, abe.moa, and Twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag the ducks are back. Jordan Grout, where can people find more of you? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm barely around. I'm around, but I never post. Um, there's Instagram, there's Twitter at Amsterdam Chap. But uh, yeah, so busy with other projects that I, I rarely post anything on social media any longer. I hear you. One day, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find all the, all the other episodes about Now Theron Name on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and AJHWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Or write on our physical wall at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And of course, our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. Um, Jordan, thank you very much for joining us this evening. This, uh, this thank oh, you, Jordan. Thank you. It's been an honor. And uh, yeah, we'll um, we have our mummy commentary coming later this week. Next week, we'll uh, we'll figure it out, but we'll have something there for you. And um, until next time, that's gonna do it. So so long. And goodbye. Goodbye.